Hello and welcome to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw and this is episode 68. From the who? Indeed, indeed, I say. Sorry, that's my uh, that's my British accent trying to do a little British accent there. I must sound weird to some of you guys in the UK. I just kind of thinking about that, going, you know, everybody kind of talks like that over there. I must sound like really weird, especially since I got this, you know, sort of, I don't know, you know, I just grew up with this, uh, I don't know, this kind of blue-collar U.S. kind of deal. So I, I have this kind of weird voice fluctuations with my attitudes and emotions and stuff like that. I'm in sales. There's a guy named Zig Ziglar who's got this kind of, he really, he he tells you to, you know, work on your voice and your how you speak and your, you know, your emotion. He sounds a little strange and different, too. He's from the South, though. Right, I'm from the Seattle area. Seattle, Washington is where I'm at. and I don't know. I just got off on a tangent over there just trying to think about uh, different accents and people listening to the show all over the world. And, man, I must sound strange and foreign and kind of alien to some of you. Love that. Some of the Australian listeners. I go back and forth. If I'm trying to do like a British accent, I'll fall into kind of an Australian thing and start calling people mate, stuff like that. Anyhow, this guy in the UK talked to, and he's uh, call him bloke, you know, and he calls me dude. There's a guy in Australia, I call him mate, and he calls me dude. You know, dude's kind of an American thing, I guess. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, just kind of trying to make things a little more uh, palatable, maybe. I'm just gonna just gonna do what I do. Which is chat, talk at you, yell at you a little bit. If I yell at you, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything. It's because I want to see you free and want to see you break some of these attitudes and and habits and uh, get, get your relationship with God ironed out. Because there's just a lot of bad theology out there, right? There's just a lot of bad stuff going on. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, and I, I, I don't want to come off as a guy who's kind of bagging on the church a lot, you know, even though I, I probably do. Uh, but, but basically, I, I guess I want to be a wake-up call for the church that um, this whole thing with sexuality and, and sexual integrity 
is a symptom of a, of a deeper problem and a deeper issue. And I'm going to go into part two of uh, this, this little talk that John the Baptist did about, uh, and, and I, I titled this out of the message translation of this text. Message translation of the Bible is a uh, modern translation. It was done around, uh, re-updated around the year 2003 or something like that, 2004. I'm not sure. Uh, the remix version I like. Anyways, uh, it's, it's kind of the language of the street. It's contemporary, and that's how the Bible was written. It was written in the language of the street. It, was written, it wasn't written by a bunch of religious people. Uh, it wasn't written by the scribes as much. It was it was written by the scribes, but it wasn't you know the kind of the Jewish um, apprentices that uh, wrote this stuff down, right? Like kind of like if you look at the book of uh, if you look at the disciples, right? Jesus goes after like fishermen and and a tax collector and stuff like that. The only real professional was was Luke, and and Luke came along after. Uh, I mean, the Gospel Luke and, and everything. I mean, that whole thing came along after Jesus uh, died on the cross. So, you know, Jesus goes after the the kind of the misfits, right? Because the Jews, the, the Jewish, um, and this is not against Jews, it's just, it's kind of a religion thing. The, they, they went after, the Pharisees would go after, you know, they would look for, like apprentices, what we would say is an apprentice now, and they would look for kind of the best and brightest people that had the, the discipline and people that had a, a real a knack for study, and, and the rest of the people, you know, they would kind of look at them and go, yeah, uh, why don't you go uh, fish or collect taxes or something like that, you know, and and who does Jesus, I mean, it's like Peter, man, Peter just gives me so much hope because he's so... I mean, he screws up so much. <laughs> if you read the New Testament, you, ever, you know, you look around and Peter's just, just messing up, denying Christ. I mean, big time, hardcore stuff. And Jesus still loves him. I mean, imagine being this guy, right? He denies Christ three times, watches him die on the cross. Jesus comes back, you know, that's the, and that's the ultimate burn against the religious people, right? They say, you're, you say you're God, you say you're this, you say you're that, we're going to kill you. And what does Jesus do? Three days later, he comes back, which is just awesome. And uh, that's why you see churches everywhere, by the way. Okay, if it was all a fraud, like the Da Vinci Code says, why would they die for, for a lie? I, I just I just don't understand that. There's people that come up with their own imaginations about stuff, like the like the you know those those folks that here in California that made up their own little cult and all went to meet God in a UFO or something like that. I mean, there's people that believe and die for weird uh, attitudes, but people don't die for a lie. Okay, they don't they don't dig up Jesus and go you know bury him someplace else and then and then you know die for that, <laughs> you know that just doesn't make sense. It's one of the kind of the proofs of the gospel for me. And those guys died badly. All right, John the Baptist, and this is what there's this kind of weird thing about Christianity here in the states that. You know, Jesus wants you to have a helicopter and an airplane. He wants you to live without pain and, you know, live this lavish lifestyle, which um, John the Baptist, who I'm going to talk about here, he, he dies badly. He dies very badly. Okay? Hauled off to prison and beheaded at the whims of a, of a 
you know, teenage stripper, basically. The Bible says that, uh, you know, King Herod has this woman dance for him and his buddies, and he says, wow, that was awesome, that was great. I'll give you anything you want, name it. And she says, uh, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. <laughs> and and King Herod's like, well, you know, I kind of like that guy. Wait a minute, but hey, I told you anything, so bring it, you know, go get him. Lob his head off. I mean, can you imagine the amount of resentment this woman had against uh, John there? Wonder why. I mean, I know what it's like to be hated, but uh, wow. That's intense. Anyway, Peter. Back to Peter. Could you imagine the self-talk going on inside of Peter? All right, he saw Jesus die after he denied him three times. Just like Jesus said he would. And he's all, oh, I would not, no, that's not, no. You know, I mean, could you imagine the self-talk going on inside of Peter? There was a, a play about this at the, the men's retreat I spoke at. And uh, it was really eye-opening to see the kind of, you know, shame that we all walk around with. Especially you who are listening to my show. Um, I'm sure you've done a lot of bad stuff, right? I've done a lot of bad stuff, too. But looking at Jesus and denying him three times, I mean, that's pretty dark. <laughs> that's pretty dark to look, at a, to look at a buddy, you know, to look at one of your mates, right, and to say, I don't know that guy. Yeah, I, I don't know him. I, I've never seen him before in my life. Just, you know, keep me out of this whole being thrown on a cross thing. Peter's all, you know, that's Peter. And I love the play because it was uh, really eye-opening, the kind of self-talk, you know, kind of looking at Peter's self-talk, going, well, you know, Christ, Christ said he's going to build the church on me. On me. I'm the guy that's going to carry on the torch, and, and, and the, the church is going to be built off of me, right? I mean, can you imagine the shame, the guilt that Peter must have felt? Okay. Just think about that for a second. You think you're worse than Peter? I don't know. Maybe you do. I, and, I, and I pray that you understand this concept of, of being born again and, and the whole... That it's not reciting some, you know, repeat after me. Uh, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. You know, no, it's not reciting some sinner's prayer. It's, a, it's confessing with your lips and believing in your heart. That you're blood-bought, okay? That you're not just merely a Christian. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, don't be a mere Christian, as C.S. Lewis would say. But understand the attitude of blood-bought. Because what happens with Peter, right? He's, he's fishing, he's feeling bad about himself, he's out there fishing, and Jesus is right there on shore. All of a sudden, Jesus appears on shore, and he says, Hey, you know, throw your net in the water and uh, scoop up some fish there, and we'll... Come back up here and we'll we'll eat, we'll hang, we'll we'll talk. Everything's cool. I love you, Peter, alright? You know, I mean that kind of thing. It's 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 grace. Grace for the people that consider themselves blood bought, that that Jesus didn't give up on Peter. And he sure as heck ain't gonna give up on me or you. We keep on going, we keep on moving forward.
So I pray that you understand that, that grace poured out on you. Because you're, if you're blood-bought, you're no longer under God's wrath. You're under His grace. Alright? I said that in the last couple of shows. I want you to get that in your head. I want you to get that in your heart. You're not under God's wrath. You're under God's grace. The wrath is the result of, of, what, you know, of what you've been through. Uh, of the sin. Right? The ripple effect of sin. That's the wrath you're feeling. It's not God's fault. We keep peeing our pants to keep our backside warm. A little analogy I got from Alaska. You know, you're, you're hearing my voice right now for a reason. There's a purpose to it. I want you to understand that, that each day, this is all you got is today. You know, I'm not anti-12-step. That's one of the that's one of the attitudes of the 12-step, and I think it's great. Is it one day at a time? But not under this attitude of, oh, it's another day I have to go without doing the thing I love. No. It's a new attitude of you've got today. You get to live in, in the wake of God's love, of God's grace over your life. out of that grace, you're going to leave a ripple effect. You're going to leave a ripple effect either way, but today, the attitude that you're going to have today, is it going to be of, wow, I screwed up and God hates me, or is it going to be, wow, I screwed up and God still loves me? I think I'm going to love him back. I think I'm going to love him back with my life. That's, that's the attitude I want you to have today. That's the action step for today, okay? Because that you have today. It's a new day. It's today. You just got today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about six months from now. Just think about today. The ripple effect you're going to leave on this day. I'm going to play a song by a band called the Robbie... Is it C Band? C-E Band? Or Shea Band? Or something like that. Uh, it's called New Day. And then I'm going to continue with part two of words that put heart in them. I'm going to sing this song To let you know that you're not alone And if you're like me, you need hope, coffee, and melody So sit back down And let the world keep spinning round Yesterday's gone and today's waiting on you to show your face And it might not be the prettiest thing you'll ever see But it's a new day, oh baby it's a new day And it might not look like a beautiful sunrise Far and come back. 
So, Luke uh, 3, starting in 7 here, going on. He said, therefore, to the crowds come, <clears throat> that have come out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I love that. The brood of vipers. Jesus is going to use this term talking to the religious people later on in uh, when, when Jesus is doing his ministry. Um, John is talking here to the religious folks. You brood of vipers. There's a wrath coming, right? Your pride, your religious pride is going to get you. It's going to get your family. It's going to get your kids. Um going on Uh, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves we have Abraham as our father for I tell you God is able from these stones to rise up children for Abraham Um, there's a lot of religious Jews who believe that because they're God's chosen people, right? That they don't need Jesus, they don't need to repent, they're just going to live their lives because they're God's chosen people and everything's going to work out. Um, That's not true. I heard uh, Mark Driscoll, Marshall Church, talking about the Bible as a uh, beginning, middle, beginning kind of a book, right? It's a story like that, like, like The Sixth Sense, for example. If you watch the movie The Sixth Sense and you miss the first 15 minutes of the movie, it doesn't make sense. Okay, you don't can't make make heads or tails of the story. The end of the story is 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 awesome and shows kind of a new beginning for the character. Uh, it's just funny how the 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 God's chosen people, the Israelites, and all the Bible stories that feature the Israelites, and how it follows their storyline. I believe that the reason that is 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 that they're the lineage that Jesus comes out of. Like I believe the whole book, the whole Bible, is about Jesus another thing that this Matt Chandler's guy says. He says, uh, you know, if they're, if they're God's chosen people, then how come they keep getting their butts kicked, <laughs> right? Like, they don't they don't become the leaders of the world or anything. They're constantly being beat. So that's why the story flows through them, I believe. It's about Jesus. It's about where, where his lineage comes from. It's about the heart of God for people, not just Israelites, not just Jews, but for all people. Uh, going on, and here's verse 9. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, a lot of people want to go to hell on this one, right? Like if you're going to hell, if you don't accept Jesus in your heart, um, I believe that, right? I believe that accepting Christ is is we we no longer have the grip of hell on us, and and I pray that if, if you know if you're listening to this and you're being convicted a little bit, here's what here's what the the axis at the tree means. Okay, let me just tell you, and I'm going to reiterate this. Um, I sat in the pastor's office and had to tell my wife that I cheated on her a lot. Okay, I had been unfaithful to her. I crushed my wife's heart that day, and I love her. And and 
man, the ripple effect that happens if you do not deal with this sin, if you do not deal with the addiction to sex, it'll burn your life down, man. Okay, this is not just some elusive afterlife type of scripture. Not repenting, not going into recovery. My wife had to go to the doctor and get just just a month or two ago, you know, got her last uh, her shot, her last hepatitis shot. That was for her hepatitis vaccination. That she's had to have a vaccine for hepatitis for my my sin, right? My ripple effect. We've had to have a series of hepatitis shots. She had to have AIDS tests. She got another AIDS test. Right? My wife. I love my wife. This is the woman I married. This is the woman I said, I I love her. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to love you with my life. And and I'm going to make you my partner. I'm going to die for you as Christ died for the church. And and, uh, I love my wife. And for me to have done all of this, I just pray that you see that. The fact that I'm still married is, is, is miraculous. The grace that my wife has given me, the grace that the the obedience to to Christ and her grace is is amazing, because I've hurt her and wounded her so badly, and I'm still going through my own repentance of defensiveness of being cold and kind of being able to shut her out and shut everybody out, and I'm still going through that, man. I'm still fighting the monster of alone, and I I pray that you. You get that, okay? The axe being at the tree. Like, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're struggling with this. You can do something about it. You're, you, it's going to take some effort on your part. But it's going to take heart effort, okay? It's not just going to take this surfacey kind of behavior effort. It's going to take a, a heart that's die hard. A heart that's not going to just, you know, keep keep up the pattern. Right, a heart that's going to stop justifying, a heart that's going to stop resenting. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that, so I get my cookie over here. It's heart level stuff. It's it's motivation building. It's motivation taking away. These are these are heart level repentances. Um, Luke chapter three, uh, verse ten. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And starting in 11, all the way up to where I started the show here in in 15, verse 15, he explains to uh, these folks who are asking him what to do. He he explains to them what to do. And I'm going to ask you to read that for yourself. It's it's, uh, Luke 3, starting in in verse 11. Um, I'm going to assault you a little bit. They say you can't lead a horse to water right? Well, you can if you put a lot of salt in their oat bag. Okay, so Luke 3, starting at 11, John starts to explain to these folks what they need to do. But I want you, when you read it, I want you to to look at the words and to see what John is, is doing, because what he's focusing on is he's trying to get them to see clearly where their motivations come from. Like, he doesn't go to behavior type of stuff 
in the in these verses he goes to motivation heart level motivation type of repentance why do you do the things you do why do you allow the queen ant to live in you why are you convicted about your own pride about your own resentments why is forgiveness so tough why do we let our crappy attitudes continue to fester with these these just hate-filled contempt for others ultimately a way to isolate and stay alone so john challenges these people with their motivations of heart and and i just pray that uh if you're not a Christian, that uh, Christianity is not not about a lot of what, especially here in the United States, American evangelicalism. Like I, I, I sincerely believe that most Christians do not get it. They really don't. Second um, Corinthians five twenty one. Um, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Okay, God God made him to, to carry your sin, okay? All that stuff you did, all the porn, all the crap, all the stuff you're going to do in the future, God made Jesus to be that sin. So that in him, in that sacrifice that God made for you, that love that God has for you, we might become the righteousness of God. We might have the righteousness. We might be able to to see the the sin and be able to conquer it and not have to walk with this thing saddling us with this freaking hook stuck in us, with this disease eating away at our bones, with, with the demons lighting stuff on fire, that we may become the righteousness of God through him because of his love for us, because of his love for us, Right? And that transcends discipline. Discipline follows in the light of love. I love what the message translation said in that passage in Luke 3. It says, Those words put heart in them. So maybe maybe I can just ask you to make that decision to to, to to accept Jesus in your heart, right? I'm not, not going to give you some sinner's prayer type of thing. That's not in the Bible. There's no sinner's prayer in the, in the Scripture. That maybe you would just um, pray now. Just ask God. Turn, turn off the show and ask God into your heart. Ask Jesus into your heart and say, Man, please, God, please forgive me. Forgive me, a sinner. I accept. I accept your sacrifice. It's worthy. Jesus is worthy. He's a worthy sacrifice for all the horrible things I've done. That you don't hate me. That the that the stuff in my life, all the the crap that's happened in my life, is is not because you hate me. It's because you've led me to this place. 
times because you've led me to this place where I have to start to kill those queen ants that are giving birth that are burning my life down. I pray you make that decision today. I pray that you do that. I'll pray with you. Lord Jesus, I just pray that for these, that they take your your grace, that they accept you in their hearts, and that repentance is, is just accepting you and understanding your love and getting that love in our hearts, Lord. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. We, we accept, we acknowledge that it's worthy. The sacrifice you've given for us. We ask your glory to shine in us. We put our hope in you, Lord. Worship your holy and precious name. Jesus' holy name, amen. My name is Russ. My email is russ at asi247.org. If you uh, pray that, prayed that prayer with me, I, uh, I want you to send me an email. I, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I have more food for you. Um, if you haven't, uh, if you don't accept Christ as your, your personal Savior and, and, and you haven't prayed that prayer and you're still a little um, standoffish, you still don't really get it, you still don't understand, uh, I, I, I love you too. I accept you and I, and I pray that you continue to listen. But I, I also want you to deal with why because almost everybody I've talked to who has a problem with Jesus or Christianity has been wounded by it. Okay, like I said earlier, the major sin is not the behavior on the surface. It's not, it's the fact that I didn't heal earlier. I could have stopped a lot earlier if I would have chose to heal, chose to deal with those queen ants that were in my soul. When I was 20, when I was 25. And the major sin underneath that, what was I putting my hope in? What was I really worshiping, really, when I got up in the morning? What was I placing my hope in? You're the hope of all the earth. So I want you to understand that uh, I have a heavy heart when I say this, that there is a hell. Okay, there is a hell. There has to be a hell because God is a just judge. There isn't a lot spoken about hell in in the Old Testament. The reason it's brought up so much in the New Testament is that Jesus is the final sacrifice. 
You know, I hope you get that. And, and there's an attitude, a heart attitude, uh, understanding love that comes from the repentant heart. Okay? I've got emails that are horrific. You know, I, I have. I've got emails that would that would make you sick. I I get it. I can understand if you got you know you got some anger towards Christianity. You you get you're you're hurt over Christianity. Somebody a, a pastor abused you when you were a child. When you were you know just a kid. I've got those emails. Okay, that's not God's fault. The Bible talks about wolves and sheep's clothing. See, we have we have free will and we leave a ripple effect. I I get it, okay? I, I, there's just so many emails that run through my head that I could I could share with you. But I want you to understand that God is a just judge. And like the farmer and the nobleman story, he can discern the heart. And I, I believe there's two kinds of people that go to hell, right? There's, there's the people that say, I can't do this. God is, you know, I'm just this horrible person. I'm this terrible person. It's all the circumstances. It's not my fault. I quit. And I'm going to just keep on sinning. And I'm going to put out this ripple effect because of what happened to me. It's not my responsibility, right? There's that attitude, the I'm, I suck, I'm horrible, I guess I'm going to hell attitude. And there's the other attitude that says, you know, I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus, I got my act together, I'm a good person. And I've got those emails too from fundamentalist type of attitudes of this works-based you know, and, and why are you listening to my show? I mean, seriously, take a step back. Could you imagine what it's like for, you know, a little boy or a little girl to be led into to youth, right, to Sunday school and, and have the pastor rape them, have the pastor molest them, have the pastor use them for his own sexual gratification, and then tell them how well they serve Jesus today. You, you don't think that I think that you have some, some hang-ups about Christianity? That is sick. And then have that pastor sit there and say, Oh, well, I got Jesus, and I'm a pretty good person because I'm a youth pastor. And, and God will overlook that. He'll have grace on me. Okay, some sins leave a bigger ripple effect than others, right? A devastating ripple effect starting out in childhood. Can you imagine? All right, and I'm, I'm fictionalizing these stories, okay? I'm, a, I'm not going to just share your... E you send me email, it's private, okay? I want you to know that. I'm not basing this off of any certain email. But, you know, uh, some of the stuff that goes on out there, this religious view of Jesus that just pulled Jesus off the shelf when I need him and, and you know, uh, he's distant, he's out there, you know, he's not in my heart, he's, he's out there and he's got a grace for me and he's, it's all going to be fine. Okay, some of the ladies that are listening and 
some of you guys who, who, who maybe have daughters, check this out. This little girl, right? Little girl who... Who who is who's got that heart? You know, she's got this heart that's just. Would you delight in me? Do you find me lovely? Do you do you, you know? They spin around and they just want to be loved. You know, do you, do you find me beautiful? She's a little girl and she's got this heart. And a, and a priest molests her. And and not only does he say, you know, oh well, you did a good work for God today, but but you you asked for it, you little slut. Can you imagine someone saying that to your daughter, guys, ladies? And that and, and that ripple effect, you know, there's a seed that grows in that girl, and she doesn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody for 20-something years, okay? I I was convinced, you know, that if I told, no one would love me. I am dirty. I am tainted. How do you think I felt when the pastor said, you're going to hell for your behavior? What kind of ripple effect do you think that left on my soul with what I was carrying around, not talking to anybody about? I didn't sign up for that. So this little girl at, at 12 years old gets this blot mark on her heart. And, and she doesn't talk about it because she's convinced if she does, she's going straight to hell, right? So she walks around with this for the rest of her life, trying to break the little habits and the little ants on the surface, trying to stomp them out. And, and she can't quite get there, right? And she just starts to think about how much of a, of a, of a little slut she is or whatever she thinks of herself, right? The devil just telling her her identity. She gets into the porn industry. And millions of men feed like vampires on her carcass. And listen, I know that every woman who's in the porn industry has not been sexually abused. But I want you to, to understand, and, and, and here's, a, here's a real statistic for you. Check this out. 90% of the women that go into porn... I forget what the exact number was. It was the high 90s that most of them do their first movie and they quit because they find the experience so traumatizing that they can't stomach to do it again. They won't let that happen to them again, right? So the ones that stick, there is something going on there, okay? I'm not saying it's always sexual abuse, but there's something going on there. Is it their self-worth? Is it the money? We really have to ask ourselves, why do people put themselves up as a living sacrifice for that industry to be fed off of? And I fed off her too, man, you know? And I'm not trying to shame you here. But what I am trying to do is to get you to understand that, that you know, the axe is at the root of the tree, do you understand that, that there's a ripple effect and that ripple effect, and I want you to understand this as well, that ripple effect is not you paying God back. Okay? Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind of our sins sweep us away. 
Okay, your, your righteousness, your righteous acts, the, the stuff that you're trying to do, like you're trying to re- leave that ripple effect to pay God back, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, we're, we're doing these righteous things, right? And we're trying to pay God back while we're blaming our sin on other stuff. I mean, it's, it's an easy way to scapegoat, right? Our righteous deeds and our, and our status in the church or, or whatever we think of our, our righteousness. It's filthy rags. And it's just another scapegoat kind of a thing. You're, you're putting your sin on something else. Well, if it wasn't for that, and if it wasn't for this, and if I just had a better porn filter for my computer, you know, even if you get the best porn filter in the world for your computer, you still can't put a filter over your heart and your mind. It goes a little deeper than a porn filter, okay? You can't blame the porn industry on your sin. And if we're going to care about other people and we're going to love the next generation of folks, we have to understand that kids aren't going to find porn under their bed anymore. It's going to come through the computer screen. So we really need to take responsibility, right? Those are the two attitudes that are going to that are going to hell. It's it's I don't need Jesus, you know, I'm a piece of crap or I don't need Jesus, I've got everything under control. And both of those attitudes are not, they're not a Christ-based attitude. They're not an attitude of, of humility and of laying your life on Jesus and saying, you know, wow, God really loves me. I love that analogy that that pastor gave. He said, he said it's like a love note. The Bible is like a love note with a box that says, do you love me? Check yes or check no. Reading the Bible is just getting to know God. You check the yes box with your life, right? That doesn't mean you do everything right and you got everything, your act together. But it means you're under this progressive sanctification that you don't quit. And yes, if you're a Christian, you can't lose your salvation. I absolutely believe that. But are you really a Christian if you if you just if it's all just for you and it's all about you and it's all about your getting yours and your attitude's this and I mean search your heart. Are you a Christian or are you just being religious? I mean you really have to ask yourself that. Religion is satanic, all right? There's a lot of, I've heard a pastor say that all the other religions in the world are satanic except for Christianity. Well, if Christianity is just about you protecting yourself and thinking you're a good person, stuff like that, it, it's satanic. It's not the heart that John is talking about. And that's why I want you to go back and read that passage in Luke 3, um, starting around 10. All the people are coming up and they're going, oh, our, you know, you're hitting on our hearts here. You, get, you have words that are uh, putting heart in us. What do we do? You know, they ask, what do we do? And John hits them with heart motivation type of stuff. And I want you to go in and read that. It's Luke 3, starting in... Uh, just read Luke 3, all right? Luke, starting in 10, I believe it was. But the, the axe is at the tree. That's what I'm talking about. Religion is evil when it's just this works-based, I'm a good person type of thing. It can cause all sorts of horrible sin. Brood of vipers, John said. People who believe that way. 
Know your own heart. Please. My name is Russ. Uh, my email is russ at asi247.org. And, and what I just said, all right, that's for you behind your eyes. Don't start thinking about, you know, those people over there. I pray that you understand that. We're blood-bought. And life really is 20% the stuff that's happened to you and how you react to that 20%. It really is. It's worship. What do you worship? I'll leave you with a song. Remember, you can go to the website, asi247.org. Click on the links page. Check out higher-calling.com there and get some of this stuff out of you there. Go to the music tab. You can download some of the tunes I've played on the show. Until next time, with a heavy heart, I say, bye. Looking for God to replace me. Looking to be replaced by that reflection of Him from my heart. This is Family Force 5 with Replace Me. My batteries died some time ago. I got a heart-shaped box where they must go. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit.